This is where the party ends. I can't stand here listening to you and your racist friends. I know politics for you, but I feel like a hypocrite talking to you and your racist friend. It was the loveliest party that I've ever attended. Broken, I'm sure it could be mended. My head can't tolerate this bobbing and pretending. Listen to some bullet head madness that he's saying. This is where the party ends. I just sit here wondering how you stand by your racist friend. I know politics for you. Hello, me. Seed of Wisdom, we're going to hit this uh, head on. And this is uh, actually one of my favorite songs from a group called They Might Be Giants. Uh, surprisingly, this was made in uh, 1990, uh, addressing uh, really racism and really in a different sort. If you listen to the words, it's, it was about racism of a friend uh, and, and how we tend to be silent. And I think that's been one of the questions uh, we've had to ask ourselves as Catholics and as Christians this week. So we're going to have to invite in our friend, uh, uh, Father, Father, uh, Father Ron. Let's see where, where Ron is at in this call. So, all right, Ron, welcome to Mary Seat of Wisdom podcast. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, that uh, little excerpt that you just played is worthy of some exploration, isn't it? Fun to yeah, talk we, about it. we're in the deep end of the pool already, and you know we've having some conversations, uh, you know, from the past week over what can we do, and, and maybe I'll use this term loosely of people of privilege, of of essentially uh, people that are white, essentially, and here in Park Ridge or in the suburbs, you know, what can we do? And uh, I think this song kind of struck me was that um, the, the lyrics go something like, I can't believe that you stand by your racist friend. And, and as I went to the prayer service the other night, I think there was a big overlying question of what can we do? And I, I think it's time for us to say to that friend of ours, I don't agree with you. Um, and, and if the conversation goes beyond that, we utilize what we do know. We do know scripture. Uh, today, uh, all week, we've been reading from Timothy. And uh, St. Paul and the author of the letter to Timothy basically is trying to encourage him, give him courage, and to rely on the teachings that he's had since he was a youth uh, for training. I'm reading for training in righteousness uh, that we may be competent and equipped for every good work. Um, so, Ron, I think we need to speak up. Uh, and, and that could be our first action. Uh, look at ourselves in the mirror. I know I did. I looked at myself in the mirror and thought about when I didn't speak up, uh, when I've been silent. There's a lot of talk about silence here. And I think, Ron, you mentioned about Timothy being timid. Yeah, he was. Uh... And, you know, they had to deal with similar, or not quite the same, but there were tensions in that early community between uh, the Jewish uh, people and, and the Gentiles coming in. 
And uh, there was a lot of tension there trying to understand that. It took a miracle on the part of, of God for Peter to kind of understand that kosher foods would be okay uh, and that the Gentiles wouldn't have to do what was required of Jewish people who were um, coming into the covenant, namely circumcision. Uh, and that took an awful lot. There's so much in the Acts of the Apostles about that tension. So it seems that every time and every age has similar situations, but we're called, like Timothy was, to work through them. And there's that uh, very uh, interesting phrase in that uh, reading for Thursday, Paul to Timothy, that the word of God is not chained. Mm. That's an now, interesting phrase. Now, uh, now, Ron, let's let's poke at that a little bit because you know I said we should use scripture kind of as our as our sword, if you will. But sometimes people use scripture as a sword in, in a way that works for them. So what do you mean by this, that scripture shouldn't be chained? Well, here's an example. I read an article by a priest recently who talked about Afro-Americans who came to this country, uh, oh, how many years ago? 400 years, is it? 1600s, mm -hmm. right. to work the plantations. And they were Christianized by the owners. And the emphasis to those folks was the importance of obedience to your masters. Pay attention to your teachers. They were not opened up to other parts of the scripture, which talked about the plight of the ancient Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and their journey through the desert and all that went on there as they came to understand a new freedom that God was given. That was never preached. You know, I, I think I come, the word was chained. And I, I think it's so, I think sometimes we're chained to our own view of what life is like. And I, and we talked about how uh, I, I've been hearing a lot of discussion about you know, the looters and, you know, I can't believe people are doing this. And I, uh, one of the things I was looking at was, um, you know, people are focusing so much on that part of it that they're looking, not seeing beyond the cause, the root cause of what this is bringing us about. The inequality, the economic inequality, the inability for people to uh, be, be properly educated. I know when I was a field engineer working for a company going out and visiting, and I saw some of the schools in various neighborhoods in Englewood and various spots, I, I was shocked at the, the, the quality of just the buildings alone. Uh, and, and I know the deacons every summer put on like a, bring a van of lunches for people on in various neighborhoods um, for, to bring food. So, and that's just the tip of this iceberg. Um, so I, I, you know, I feel that if we can't look past, uh, that part of it, then we're not going to see, we don't see our brothers and sisters as true brothers and sisters. And as, as, as Jesus said, love me as I has loved you. Um, and love means that I want the best for you. And not just, I need you to, you know, here's, here's placate them or placate people with, um, 
settling for, well, here's a meal, here's a free meal and you should be happy with that. Or here's your food stamps and you should be happy with that. Uh, I think we want the love means wanting the best for, for people that we love. Um, yes, and that's what love of neighbor really is. Uh, you know, you were we were talking uh, prior to making this uh, podcast about the looting, that there was self-aggrandized looting, and then there was looting that could teach a lesson if people went into stores to get staples that they need, food right. or whatever, that they otherwise could not have but needed, and we have to make a distinction there. Uh, so, uh, what kind of looting was going on? I think the general perception was, oh, they're just taking stuff because uh, they want to enrich themselves. Sometimes right. it came out of a necessity. That's what you were hinting at, right? Right, right. Yeah, no question. Uh, I think it was on NPR, a reporter that moms were going in and, and, and assuming they're mothers here because they're grabbing diapers and food staples. Uh, so, What's the bigger picture here? Um, so I thought it was interesting. I wanted to play this. Uh, oh, my dog's barking in the background. So, uh, so yeah, this is the dog I brought home from California. So she's being a good watchdog. I wanted to play this thing. It was from 1965. Let me see if I can get this up. It was a tweet that a friend of mine had sent me. and um, And it was from... Let me set it up. It's from the Munsters, if you believe it all, from a silly TV show. And essentially, it uh, Herman Munster explained to his son, Eddie, who looks different than all the other kids in school. And, uh, and he starts out, the lesson I want you to learn, there's a little bit of music background. But first of all, I can't believe it's from 1965 again. And we're still talking about this. Uh, but he's trying to explain to his son, the lesson he wants you to learn. Let me play this. This is a 26 seconds, folks. And here we go. Hopefully, let me. The lesson I want you to learn is it doesn't matter what you look like. You can be tall or short, or fat or thin, or ugly, or handsome, like your father. Or you can be black or yellow or white. It doesn't matter. But what does matter is the size of your heart and the strength of your character. The lesson I want you to learn. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, that was a lesson that I grew up with uh, from my parents. Um, and I think we need to move beyond that. Um, and I, I'm not sure if, if we've all moved even to that level yet, Ron. You know, Kevin, our ancestors all had to go through some period of stress to be accepted even into this country. The Irish initially, then Germans, Italians, Poles, they all had to go through this. But the strange thing often is once you have made it, you seem to look down the ladder mm -hmm. at those who are trying to make their way up. and. Uh, Maybe that's a lesson we've forgotten. Interesting, because I and I wasn't sure I was going to work this in, Ron, but I think you found a way. I was reading a uh, book about leadership, and good leadership, let's say at work, is really one that doesn't blame their staff, so to speak, doesn't blame others, doesn't look down on others, and blames them. 
the, a good leader essentially will accept uh, the wrongs that are being done. A good leader takes responsibility. And, it's, and it, sta it started out as really a brash statement. Everything is your fault when you are in a position of power and influence over others. And I think folks that have, are the haves, if you will, and let me just call it that again, very loosely termed, um, is a position of strength and our power, and it's our responsibility. A good leader does take responsibility. And essentially is what Bishop Barron says as Christians. You know, He said, we've been a Christian country, so to speak, for 400 years, and something's not working. Yeah, the word has been chained, to put it in the text of that reading to Timothy. Right. Uh, we open up what we are comfortable with and tend to ignore the rest. So we don't have a lot of answers, but I think, the, I think my biggest thing is uh, the last few days reflecting over this is kind of like that song that I opened up. If I have to look at myself in the mirror and am, am I being open and honest uh, about uh, where I'm, my views are, I'm comfortable, as you said, Ron, am I, am I too comfortable in my position and my stature? And maybe I need to be more uncomfortable. And then am I calling out in a very Christian-like way, as Jesus would, uh, calling someone out and citing scripture and using that as my sword when someone is not right? Um, but I wanted to leave us with something a little positive. Uh, you know, you and I talked about The Chosen, and you said you just got your DVD of The Chosen. Yes, the uh, television uh, presentation of The Life of Christ. What's unusual about it is it's not a one-hour uh, program on Jesus. It's going to be several groupings of programs going through his life slowly with a lot of reflection. And the beauty of it is, I think, the humanity of Jesus is portrayed there in a way that's very compelling. So I thought I'd leave us with a little bit of audio from the second um, uh, of the episodes from the first season, uh, and it's called the Shabbat. Uh, and, and I won't give you any more info, but it's really, essentially it's uh, set in 90-something BC about a young boy asking his mother about Shabbat and his mother giving him three reasons um, of why they celebrate uh, Shabbat. And I think that's very telling. So I'm going to play that. Ron, you, before I play that, do you have a prayer or anything for us today as we close uh, I out? I do. Uh, you know, we have two uh, trailer feasts after the Easter season. One of them is this week, the Trinity, and then the following week, the Eucharist. So uh, here's a little prayer to go with this coming week, uh, the Trinity. O God of heaven and earth, through Jesus you have made known to us your name of Father. The Word was who was made flesh, and also the person of the Holy Spirit. May you be blessed for opening to us the secrets of your inmost life, and for inviting us to enter it in the glory where you reign forever and ever. Amen. Ron, how about a blessing? I think we need a blessing this time. <laughs> so may Almighty God bless all who are gathered with us on this podcast, opening their hearts, letting the word be opened and not changed. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
Ron, thank you very much for joining me today. A, a tough week, and uh, you know, with the Lord's help, we'll get through this. I'm going to leave you with uh, the chosen. Ron, take care. Have a good one. Thank you, Kevin. Start. And if you think I'll fall for that, Eli, you must think I was born yesterday. Was there a Shabbat when you were little? Of course, since the time of the covenant. Every seven days. Why so many, Safta? Shabbat is a time for rest and time to honor three things. Family, our people, and God. Family like Safta and Sabah? Yes, and you, Ima and Abba, of course. Close friends are like family, too. Who else? We honor our fellow citizens on Shabbat. Strangers after? We are all God's people. Even friends we haven't met. But most important of all, we honor God in all his works. We rest because he rested on the seventh day. We rest to refresh our souls to know him better. Woman of Valor. Mary Seish Quarantined is a Mary Seish of Wisdom dynamic original podcast.